Hanging out doo -doo 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 -doo. on the pod, the same old thing. We did. We talk about not a thing to do. Oh, they already say talk in the song. We're all on chats. It should you watch. Hello, hello podcast listeners. Hey, Great. it's me, Magellan. What's up? This is Chats Should You Watch. That's Alan. Hi, Alan. Hello. And then at the bottom on the license plate, this is created by Magellan Fluke and Alan Ibrahim, 2023. Oh, yeah. That'd be cute. We should get a license plate that says all that. It's exp expensive. You see that like expensive. Uh, bot that posts like the, the California DMV? And every time somebody like makes a request for a, a vanity plate and whether or not the DMV <laughs> really? accepts or rejects it, yeah. <laughs> I can awesome. find it for you. That's like a Twitter bot or something? It's on it's, it's everywhere. It's like Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, oh my god, that's so funny. I have CD, to C D Red sixty seven. Customer, code red sixty seven. The name of my what is it? Oh, the name of my car's Instagram account, DMV. Red, comma, gang reference. Verdict accepted. <laughs> like it tells you also like what their what their yeah what their criteria was, were yeah or like why it's being questioned and then whether or not they kept it which is fun what's it what's it called it's ca underscore dmv underscore bot i don't know if these are real or if someone's just really creative but they're i think either way it's funny it says real on the thing who knows uh, i don't want to actually follow the real california dmv why not just kidding Anyways, this so anyways, sponsor. sorry, I got I got very distracted. They're not on Instagram, unfortunately. Oh, sad. Anyway, this is should you watch? This is the show where we watch a new show and we talk about whether you should watch it too. We watch, we watch the show so you don't have to. I feel what is that? We do this so you don't have to. That's just like a thing, I guess, a marketing thing. I'm wondering if no. I'm referencing something. I don't know. But I feel like that's just like a cliche. It's a common phrase, but I think some podcast uses it or some like YouTube series does use it. Right. If, if, if you know if what it is, the tweet tell us me. Yeah. Discord us. Anyway, we watch the shows and you can decide if you want to watch them as well. And this time around, we've shifted, by the way, to a, a less uh, frequent should you watch um, cadence. cadence. Thank you. We did it monthly last year just to see if we liked it. And we did, uh, but we didn't want to watch a whole show every month. So we're doing it every three months. And this is our choice for this go round. We watched that 90s show, which premiered this year in 2023. This is a sequel series, a revival, so to speak, of that 70s show, the very popular late 90s to the aughts sitcom uh, that was set in a fictional Wisconsin town called Point Place and followed the story of uh, Eric Foreman and his friends 
hanging out in the basement, getting high, having high school teen problems and saying, forget you, dad. And then the dad's like, I'm going to kick your ass. And God, what a time. And that 90s show says, let's go back and see if we can do it again. And that's what this is. And we're here to discuss whether or not they can do it again. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that 90s show in depth. We're going to start by chatting about that 70s show and our personal relationship or lack thereof to that. And then we will talk about the pilot of that 90s show. And then we will talk about the entire show. So in the description for this episode, you can see timestamps for wherever we're going to spoil particular things from any of those media. Um, but we'll start here with that 70s show. So, Alan, you had a kind of minimal connection to that 70s show going into this. Is that correct? Yeah, it's not a show that I had never watched. I certainly watched it while it was coming out. Uh, I feel like I was a teensy bit young for it when it was airing on television. So, like, mm -hmm. my sister would watch it or I would see it on TV at, like, family friends' houses and be like, uh, these jokes are flying over my head. This seems a little bit lewd for me. Um, it always seemed like a sort of like slightly older than my age range show. Um, and I kind yeah. of forgot about it. I always knew about like the principal characters and like as these actors have come up in other things, it's like, uh, like, oh, Kurtwood Smith is in Robocop. That's really cool. Or, oh, the, like uh, Topher Grace is in Spider-Man, um, which we'll talk about that whole situation mm -hmm. with Topher's Topher Grace's recasting and whatnot. But yeah, I um, until this record this like prep for this recording, I would not consider myself a that 70s show uh like super fan but i definitely had watched some of it and was aware it existed yeah what about you uh i think that's a fair assessment just in terms of who was probably following the show when it was on i mean for us it went off the air when we were in like eighth grade or something mm -hmm. so we kind of just missed it um but I watched a ton of that 70s show. I, I really liked it. I watched a bunch of it in the syndication. Um, and I, you know, there were some sitcoms that I would watch like Friends or Seinfeld where it's like, ah, yes, the classics of yore, <laughs> which, you know, to say such a thing in 2009 or whenever that was, it maybe feels a little silly. But those shows to me were like, I like these, but they are of kind of a different time or era of TV watching. But that 70s show to me, in a similar way to a show like Scrubs, for example, felt like my lifespan is like consciously overlapping with when, when these things are on the air. And this feels like my era of, of TV. Um, and... I really, you know, in reflecting on it, uh, what I really appreciated about that 70s show, kind of beyond some of the things that we can talk about that made it entertaining or not, is I think they dealt with kind of like teen um, issues or life issues, maybe not always in the like most thorough way, but always in what I felt was like a fairly responsible way. Um, because the characters in the show, like, get in trouble. They have arguments with their parents. They make mistakes. They take risks. They, you know, have life experiences that they have to process. And, um, 
oddly enough, when I was kind of growing up and going through some of those sorts of experiences, there were episodes of the show that would like stick with me as kind of like places where I had started to think about those things. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm not going to hold it up as like the funniest sitcom ever because it's not. I think a lot of the time the humor is is pretty pat, but um, I think it was my sort of like coming of age sitcom. And so it has a special place for me because of that. Yeah, we'll talk about this a lot uh, and comparing the two series, but um, that 70s show definitely, like you said, not the funniest of its era. Um, uh-huh. I mean, Frasier was right there. Like, come on, you guys. <laughs> but what that 70s show had over its pred- over its competition, because there were so many sitcoms in the 90s, so many, is that that 70s uh-huh. show was about like people acting like people and plot happening around real people not like plot informing who these people are but like true fully formed characters with continuity and like interiority uh that's something you get a very quick sense of in that 70s show and i think it's what really gravitated people towards it and kept people around with it is the feeling that like i don't know my i was my house was the basement for our friend group for a lot of high school and right. sometimes watching that original show, I got the sense of like, yeah, this is the place where they, you know, work out their political beliefs or talk about dumb pop culture things or yeah. just like make stupid running jokes that last the rest of their lives. Stuff like that all happens in the confines of this basement. So yeah. it also uses the limited set really well. Uh, you don't think about the fact that that 70s show doesn't have a lot of sets because you can do a ton of storytelling just in kitty and red's kitchen and the basement and maybe sometimes the backyard and that's a whole that's a whole episode yeah it it's such that's such a great point i i can't think of another show that has captured with quite that fidelity that feeling of like that very suburban feeling of (laughs) this is like the room that we have to go yeah. to for ourselves and we're going to do like a lot of growing and changing and figuring things out and we're about to talk about the the that 70 show pilot just a little bit because you watched it for this but like the driveway also is like right. a, a hugely transformative space in eric and donna's life and like yeah that that's a, a pretty magical thing um so let's talk about the pilot just because we're not even in, we're not even in the thing that we came here to talk about yet. But <laughs> right. I think with reboots, it's really important to contextualize. Because you know, I'm a relative neophyte to the series. Magellan has watched a lot more of the original, so we're still coming at this with different perspectives. I didn't go back and watch all of that '70s show, um, yeah. but I think this pilot has like a good amount of like meat and potatoes on it, um, and can kind of like I said guide our discussion. So yeah. Uh, first of all, dynamically. Uh, or in terms of character dynamics, I was so interested in how the 70s show cast got to know each other and why they're friends. Because, you know, you have the big nerd, you have the jock, you have the, like, money-obsessed stoner, like, tough guy with a heart of gold. You have the girl next door. You have the girlfriend, the snooty rich girlfriend. Uh, and then you have the, fo- <laughs> the, it's the 90s, so the foreign guy. Uh All right which like covers your bases really well, but those seem so disparate that I was like, you know, and watching the pilot, I'm like, how did, why are these people friends with each other? And it starts to open itself up more. It starts to reveal itself more like over that, over the show. Um, You had me actually also watch the 
picture day episode uh, of that uh-huh. 70s show, which is That's one of my favorites. It's also probably my favorite of the ones I watched. Um, it's very funny. And it's also concerning like these guys before picture day are trying to pick a yearbook quote. They're sitting in a classroom and they're just waxing poetic about like w- how they met what the funny stories about how they met and, and like being nostalgic, which is also yeah. what that 70s show was about is like, weren't the seventies cool, but not in a, like the seventies were better way more of a, the seventies were more interesting than you all, than you, they are when you read about them in history books way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they were full of real people making actually interesting progressive decisions. And it wasn't all just, you know, hippies and marijuana. It was also people dealing with the same problems we deal with today. That's like the yeah. core thesis of this this premise. And it's why the whole like show that's about 20 years ago thing is so popular. You know, in the 50s, they were talking about cowboys. In the 70s, Happy Days was telling us about the 50s. In the 90s, <laughs> that 70s show was telling us about the 70s. Like, this is just right. a thing. It's like, that 20 years ago is enough for you to be like, okay, the showrunners are writing about their childhood, is what that right. basically means. Right. And you get a really great sense for everybody in the That 70s Show pilot. I, I wrote in my notes a, a like realization I had after watching all of my, the 70s show episodes I did, which is that uh, the Kelsey, Kelsey, the Kelsey, that's my fan fiction. <laughs> Kelso, Eric, and Hyde form a like when they are alone, a like Ed, Ed, and Eddie esque trio, <laughs> like perfectly because Mike Kelso, Ashton Kutcher's character, is this like beautifully himbo, ch- beautiful himbo, perfect, charming himbo, never did anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, Eric is this double D who's like constantly questioning everything and doesn't know like right from wrong, and Hyde yeah. is Eddie, uh, who you know is like, plan has, obsessed. Like, a plan, right? Yeah. Kind of megalomaniacal, but like seems like he has like good ideas, um, yeah. and it was weird because like we're gonna talk about how they handle this, but Danny Masterson is like an accused uh, malt serial right. rapist and right. has like used the Church of Scientology to like enable that to continue, um, and he right. should probably be in jail for the rest of his life. Uh, yeah. So it's really good that they don't. We'll talk about how they handle him in the in the ninety in that ninety show. But seeing right. him in this, I was like, I understand why people like him. I just personally don't like Hyde's character that much. I think it's yeah. good to have a straight man, but I don't like his brand of straight man very much. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, something... It's hard not to talk about this in comparison to that 90s show, so I I won't try not to. I'll kind yeah. of preview some of my thoughts and say what I think works so well about the ensemble in that 70s show is they're introduced to you as like pretty stark stereotypes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they are kind of 70s-ified stereotypes. So like Hyde is this sort of like cantankerous uh, loner, like get away from me, I'm smarter than you kind of guy who loves Led Zeppelin or whatever. Like, let's yeah. like dad throw in like what would this guy have looked like in the seventies? And he wears these glasses. He has this hairstyle. He's always got a vest on. Like, you know who that guy is in the way that high school would put him in a bucket. Eric is like a dorky, scrawny guy who has only ever seen the first couple movies of Star Wars, and that is him. And like, we get who who Eric is there. Um. And what they also do is they are bold enough to make the characters not particularly likable at first. Um, Yeah. Like, 
Hyde is an asshole. Kelso's an asshole. Jackie's an asshole. Like half of the main cast suck. And then over the course of an extended period of time, you watch those characters grow and change and soften and become different people. Um, And that's a pretty special thing. And you still, you know, might end up not loving Hyde as a particular character because he's a little reprehensible and i can't imagine watching the show now in 2023 without being like that's danny masterson oh, fuck that guy um but i do think that's something to the show's credit uh more broadly that the characters like aren't always great people and we can work with that and like kind of explore that a, a little bit um which is something the new show, not to spoil my takes too much, but the new show is like a little bit afraid to do <laughs> with the new teens. <laughs> um, but anyway, so what? Um, how did you feel about the Eric and Donna stuff in the first in the pilot? Because that's like such a call, like a core column of of the show overall. It's- that relationship. It's really good. I mean, that was the that was where my question sparked of like, why are all these people together? Is because like, Eric and Donna don't seem like two people that would fall in love with each other inherently. Mm-hmm. Donna is very um, commanding and like confident and intelligent, right. and Eric is very passive and like. You start to realize, and I, I got a little bit of this of from analysis that you sent me like on YouTube, but Donna is looking for somebody who's different than her dad, right? We 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 also like. We talk mm-hmm. about like the main kids on that '70s show, but their parents all somewhat matter in different ways. And mm-hmm. Donna's dad, uh, what's his name again? Joe, is it? I forget. Bob. Bob. Everyone has a one-syllable name. Um, Bob is like this like manly man, this like cool, trying to be like a cool tough dad, and uh-huh. she's sick of that. And so she's like, I just want a guy who listens to me. And when I was a kid, and when I just watched this pilot in isolation, I was like, I don't get it. And nowadays, like, I know so many couples who are Eric and Donna that it's, like, it's kind of stunning how much they <laughs> nailed that, like, like yeah. the woman, like, knows what she wants and how to get it. And the guy knows how to listen and to, like, make things happen when he has to. Uh, mm. <clears throat> that's, like, so common now. Uh, yeah. And it feels, but it, it feels very lived in, if that makes sense. They feel like they know each right. other. They feel like they grew up with each other. And they're not just, like friends for the sake of you know we go we have the same classes it's like no we are childhood friends and our relationship right. has built and existed before the pilot uh which i loved so yeah, yeah they are probably the best thing about this pilot for sure yeah and you know we'll talk about how the old characters show up in the new show but i just think donna is such a good character i i watched this uh this youtube video i think it was a nerdstalgic video which you joked that nerdstalgic has the market cornered on that 70 show video essays pretty much um but there's one that's that's pretty good that's about donna um i think that's what you're referencing um and like what made her such a great character and and also where she fell off um but that's another thing that i appreciate about that 70 show is like you know characters like donna are there and are multifaceted people and it's pretty cool um do you want to talk about i'm sort of itching to talk about how that 90s show goes riffs off of this and how that works or doesn't work if that's of interest to you 
Uh, definitely. The last thing I'll just say about the 70s show stuff that I watched, which it helped inform me comparing it to that 90s show, was like watching these episodes from seasons three and four, especially. I felt like, like you said, the cast, it's not that they get better. It's not that they get nicer or more likable. It's that they, your their actions make a lot more sense. And they have this like, great, mm-hmm. everybody has their own defined moral compass. Um, and the best example of that is the Dine and Dash episode, which I think is mm-hmm. season four, where you know, Kelso invites everybody out to a fancy dinner and then decides that he doesn't want to pay for it because he can't afford it. And it's this slow 20 minute like character breakdown where everybody decides for different reasons why they want to leave or how they're going to leave. And then (laughs) you're left at the end of that episode, I guess spoilers for like a 20 plus episode of television with just like Eric and Donna being like, we don't want to be bad people. Like we don't want to be the kind of people that leave and do this. And we have to because of circumstance. And it's just such a a great character analysis that works because those characters have been like fleshed out for so many seasons. Um, Yeah. So thinking about like how that show improved and then declined apparently from its final season definitely informed my like hopes for the future of that 90s show. Yeah. And I think just to kind of put a fine point on it, what's so great in how you're describing that is that 70s show was a show that was interested in seeing its characters make the wrong choice or like choices that were inadvisable but you can sort of understand how they got there and be like ah you know jackie i i know why you did that kelso i get it i saw every step of your life that led to that decision so like i'm not judging you <laughs> but also you should but also you're that. a mess like like uh, er- eric yeah. and reefer madness telling his dad that they all smoke weed and you're like, right. oh, my God. And everyone's like, you didn't have to do that. And he's like, I totally did, though, because, like, I'm developing a young adult's moral compass, right. which is, like, so yeah. great. So, anyways, that's yeah. what I got on that. Um, so, so we're here in 2023, and I don't know what the series of decisions was that produced that 90s show, but I'm assuming it was, eh, you know, we're doing all these revivals. What's the next one? Ah, yeah. that 70s show. Sure, let's do it. Um, and this is my, I can't think of another like sitcom that I've watched the revival of. I think the, we talked a little bit about revivals when we watched Twin Peaks, the return, um, but not extensively. Uh, and it was just, I'm, I don't know what, have you watched other revivals of this ilk? Like, did you watch Fuller House or things like that or the new iCarly or other moments where people are like, let's get the sitcom back together. The Fred's reboot, the Frasier reboot that's coming out very soon. No, oh, I mean, stop it. <laughs> Quit it. Yeah. I don't generally watch them because like, I would not have watched this if you had not recommended we check it out. I straight yeah. up would have just let it pass. Like, okay, that exists. That's fine. My sister watched Fuller house and thought it was totally okay, but yeah. it's just, the problem I always have with them, besides like the obvious cash grab, Netflix is a hell company that is obsessed with streaming numbers to the point that's destroying them from within, um, mm-hmm. is that like they just over-reference the original to the point yeah. where it's like, it's not funny to just say, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your... To have Red Foreman yeah. say, I'm going to shove my foot up your ass. That's not funny. But right. what's funny is to examine how that line and the meaning of that line changes with time. Uh, and right. with different people hearing it and not in yeah. a like I don't want like a character I don't want like Gwen in the show to be like 
Mr. Foreman, that's like so inappropriate. You're canceled for that. Like, I'm not, it's not what I'm asking for. <laughs> but I think like there are ideas in that 90, in that 70s show that make for like, <clears throat> it is about time. It's literally about like the passage of time and in existence in a historical moment. And so like, I think amongst all the other ones that are just like, it's a family in a house or it's a girl running a blog or it's an, a, a single guy living in Seattle, like that 70s show benefits from a reboot because you can see how do you do this in a different era they've tried that they tried another another company tried that 80s show right so like that 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 concept like actually does lend itself to a sort Mm -hmm. of reboot and a re-examination uh better than your average reboot so that that was another thing that i was like oh this could actually be fine like when people in our discard were like posting the trailer i was like it's it's possible that this is decent that's a good point. Yeah, because like <laughs> when you do the Gilmore Girls re- uh, revival, everybody has a smartphone now and you have to figure out what to do about that. And like that feels kind of stupid. But uh, yeah. you can just sort of take the That 70s Show formula um, and apply it to the 90s to a certain extent. So that's a good point. Um, yeah, and I think this show... You know, I prefaced with that question about revivals just because I feel like we're about to say a lot of takes that are probably pretty evident just from the mere fact that this is a revival of an old sitcom. Yeah. Um, And uh, the thing that I want to preface this all with is like. I I can't remember whose this was a Captain Midnight, maybe or somebody on YouTube recently had a, a video essay or has had a few about like Netflix not really being able to land it with a sitcom. And like, there's been a lot of discourse lately about Netflix, you know, canceling shows after two seasons and things like that. And so I think a lot of our conversation of this needs to be grounded in the fact, you know, number one, this is a capitalistic, like nonsense money thing, clap, clap, clap for Red Foreman. Here he is. That, that is there. And also, like, if we're judging it on the merits of it being a multicam sitcom, you would never slice out, like, the first 10 episodes of that 70s show and assess that show based on those episodes. Because that's not how these sorts of things work, right? Like, you need time to kind of let the thing set and let the actors and the writers figure out the engines that work. Um, And so part of what's kind of a bummer about a show like this is it's being revived in an era of television where you just can't have a show like this anymore. I feel yeah. like, um, yeah. these types of shows, these character focused dramas are based are, they work because you're with the characters for a long period of time and say what we will about the quality of the 90s show. If this went for nine seasons and I watched all like eight or eight or nine seasons, whatever, I would care so much about these characters like right. the way that we talk about like the cast of scrubs or of course like the simpsons it's like we those characters matter to us not because like it's a particular each an episode is particularly brilliant but it's because we've known them for a long time and right. sitcoms used to be designed to run longer for syndication and now we're we're about to come at you and be like here's what we think about like this tiny 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 <laughs> vertical slice of yeah. what of a of a genre that doesn't make sense to critique like that we're gonna do our best you know so that's why it's like if you're if you're 29 minutes into this podcast and you're like okay what the fuck do they think of it it's like it's hard for us to just (laughs) tell you that 
Also, sorry, we're trying to get there. Uh, but it's like I feel like that's partly my fault, but yeah. Well, yeah, we want to talk about the original in the context that we got to contextualize before we say this show is, uh, and then I cut to yeah. commercial. I, I mean, it's what you think it is, right? Yes, is it's kind totally of totally what you think. It is. <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. They do. So we're gonna from this point forward, we're gonna spoil the pilot of that '90s show. Yes. So the narrative thing that gets us into it is we are following uh, Red Foreman brings his daughter Leia home to visit uh, his parents. And yes, her name is Leia. And yes, she's also Donna's daughter. So Eric and Donna got together and stayed together. Yay. Clap, 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 clap. Resolve that question from that 70s show. And then in the first, the pilot episode, Leia says, F you, dad, I want to stay with grandma and grandpa for the summer and uh, do kind of like a thing that you used to do where when you were on TV in the basement and smoke weed. And he's like, no, uh, okay, yeah, sure you can. And, you know, they like, they have the same set. They recreated it. They do the little transitions between scenes the way that they used to. Um, They... Oh, I just lost Alan. Oh, are you there? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, I lost my sentence in the middle there. They they do all the things that are like this is a sequel to that '70s show. They uh they're in the same set. They do those little video transitions between scenes where the characters are dancing in front of a backdrop. They have the same guitar riff. They do like a version of the theme song, but it's like a version of it now. And like all that stuff is here. And I think to a certain extent, your ability to engage with this show requires you to stomach that. And you already know after having seen years of, streaming services try to do this sort of thing whether you can sit for that or or not um and if you can i personally think there's stuff here worth looking at but they never get past that the sort of like kitschy plasticky like we are doing this old show and look at us. We're doing that 70s show. We kind of a mm-hmm. thing. The pilot is brutal for this. It's, it, it feels it's very, the worst like, episode for this, I think. Absolutely. And I, I get it because like it it's a it's kind of a miserable 25 minutes long. And part of that is like they tell a whole plot about like, here's why Leia is coming to, to Wisconsin. Here's why she's choosing to stay here. And it's like, cool. You spent a whole episode of 10 setting up the premise. I really didn't need that much, but okay. And then there's five brutal minutes of like, all right, who can we get out here? Can we get Jack and Kelso in here to just like say like one or two lines? Can we get like Kitty and Red to just like do a line with them? Sure, let's bring Eric and, and Donna back. Uh, I don't. And then you're like, okay, the episode's over. And then they're like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Please hit next episode. Please hit next episode. We promise you we're going to actually do plot. And they give you this like minute long preview of the season uh-huh. that's like, I don't need it. Like just, I can just hit next episode. I don't, don't. I'm not coming back next week. I should have already known. Make your first episode good. It's so. It feels so uh, afraid that you're not going to like it. That it's like, look, look, we got yeah. the, Jackie and Kelso. Aren't you happy? And it's like, I guess. Can you tell a story? And 
if you're interested in like if you're interested in like how the new ca- the new actors fare you get so little of that in this first episode that it feels like almost yeah. everyone's auditioning for their roles in this right yeah and they just they make the new cast feel like poochie a little bit in this yeah. one yeah. <laughs> until they give them more time to kind of like be people but uh yeah i i will say the thing that is nice about this first episode is it reminds you I, I think Laura Prepon is underused as Donna. Mm-hmm. Um also she was a Scientologist for a little while. Oops. Too. Oops. Yeek. Yikes. Um so that's a thing. But I what this pilot reminds you is Tover Grace is so good. Yeah. He's so good. And uh, I just wish he was in more of this i would love i guess i have to watch the show where he's a dad because i would love to see him just be a dad and like not be that good at it because he's so (laughs) good at that um and they kind of rush the like teenage rebellion thing because i guess you know he was only available to be here for one episode because he has a show that he's on Mm -hmm. but they get to a point with the leia eric relationship where it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I kind of get that. And like, I know a little bit about Leia as a result of that. And and that was nice to me. And Deborah Jo Rupp and Kurtwood Smith just fucking doing the grandparents version of their parents shtick was great, was the highlight of, of the show yeah. for me, I think. She um, truly yeah. feels like the fusion of her parents, right? Where she's like, you know, yeah. I'm in I'm in debate team. And I, I make jokes about the big team and I'm corny and awkward the way that Eric was, but I'm also yeah. like athletic and I play basketball and I have, I'm like pretty opinionated about things like Donna was like, they really mm-hmm. did successfully write her in this pilot as an exact fusion of the two. And like, yeah. even the part, like when the part, when somebody calls like, Oh, Leia, you can already hear the argument that Eric and Donna had about naming her their daughter after a star Wars character. You can fucking <laughs> feel it. And her, yeah. ex- her existence is like, is fueled by that like conflict and, and fun dynamic Mm -hmm. between her parents. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the casting was pretty good too. Like she looks like she is their kid. Um, yeah. yeah. So some people think she's actually, uh, not their kid. Fan theory nonsense. You heard about this, but you told me about this. No, no, no. That was Gwen. Oh, people also think that she's, um, this is stupid. They think she's might be Randy and Donna's kid, which oh, that's so she's blonde. That's random. Okay, <laughs> you, <laughs> whatever. Whatever, indeed. Uh, Randy is the bad final season replacement for Eric when Topher Grace had to leave to go beat in Spider Man and do have a career. Um, uh-huh. The way that this show goes on to handle the like ephemera of plots from that '70s show is so interesting, and yeah. If you're not, you're like, well, there isn't enough of that in this first episode. You will get more of that. You're not, it's not just going to be cameos like this all the way through. But mm-hmm. for this, I was like, I don't want to hit next episode. I know they're begging me to at the end. I think that preview is one of the most desperate plays to like come the fuck on hit next episode. I'm like, no, yeah. it didn't work. It, but uh, we can at least tell you that like from this pilot alone, I was not particularly sold. Yeah, I think you're you were right um that that particular slog at the end of the episode where it's like 
Michael Kelso and Jackie are here in the kitchen for some reason. See ya. Oh, and Jay is like, I'm Jay Kelso. They're my parents. And you're like, fuck me. Stop it. Like that stretch is the the worst of the slapping you over the face with it's that 70 show Mm -hmm. of the whole 10 episode stretch i think and i think the show has lower like boring moments but it doesn't have moments that are more off-putting than that and so if you can handle that pilot um and you're like okay i'm willing to be entertained by a couple kind of funny things you know, I would I would watch, but this pilot does not make a good case for this show's existence. I will say. Uh, my last big note, but I agree, hundred percent. It really doesn't. Uh, all the other characters are like such cardboard cutouts too. Uh, in this little beginning, and I get it. Like you're also trying to save time and be like, mm-hmm. look, Kitty and, and Red, they're gonna be in the show. Aren't you excited? And it's like, yeah. And they're like, they still have sex. Isn't that exciting? It's like, yeah. That's that was the best thing about them in the original show was that they were like adults who still had like a, a physical attraction to each other and uh-huh. they were different and like they will talk more about them, but you're just saying that like, that's cool. I guess it's not really anything here. Yeah. Uh, but we have our premise, which is that, uh, Leia wants to stay the summer in Wisconsin while her parents go back to Chicago because she can actually make friends here with a cute girl, Gwen, who we learn is a new character's daughter. We'll learn that later. Uh, her brother. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get all the characters right right now. But don't check this shit out. Check this. Shit. Her brother is Nate, who is a himbo who is dating a nice girl named Nikki. Uh, there is also in the friend group Nate's best friend Jay Jay Kelso, who looks suspiciously like Ashton Kutcher, his father. And we also have the extremely funny gay coded character Ozzy. Gay coded for now. Later revealed. To, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Be gay. Not so yeah, coded. It, it turns out we don't have to code anymore. Unlike in the original show, we can exactly. Just... Did you know that there was like an episode where Joseph Gordon-Levitt was on the show and he was a gay character who kissed Eric, and there was such like fan backlash. They were gonna have more of him, and then they didn't. Whoa. People like fans yeah. wanted more of it or no? No, fans were lo- like oh, were homophobic of the character. I love the 90s. So, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love the 90s. Let's talk more about that 90s show. Oops, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um okay. Anyway, so let's talk about the rest of the season of that 90s show. We're cracking the um, seal. Yeah, so we're going to spoil the rest of it if that's something that you care about, just so you know. What what did you think of these teens after having seen the whole show? I I was very up and down on these new teens, and I was yeah. trying so hard not to be the guy who's like, ah, the new characters suck. Give me the old characters. Because then when they did, I was like, ah, the old characters suck. <laughs> Get them off the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let Tommy so, Chong go to bed. Uh, oh my god, I can't believe they brought him in here twice. Embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. So Leo, played by Tommy Chong, is a funny stoner joke in the 90s. Like, what if we had an old stoner who, you know, was a guest character here and there for gags? But he like hung right. out with the cast, which they uh-huh. never get into the weirdness of an old man hanging out with a bunch of teenagers, but well, they do make reference to it in this show. In this, <laughs> they talk about it's weird, yeah. Yeah, which is a pretty funny 
that's like an example of commenting on the old thing that's pretty good because mm-hmm. kitty's trying to explain to leia who leo is and she's like oh he's just a like a grown man who did drugs and hung out with my kids Teenage wait child hold on no <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good um here's the thing about the kids so yeah. a couple things number one you the fans need to just check your nostalgia a little bit and remember that you were a kid or a teenager when you watched that 70s show and those performances were a little bit stilted early on in the series that's how yeah. the beginning of a sitcom works when you hire a bunch of young people number right. two uh the cast of that 70s show were not all teenagers when that show came out some of them were some of them were in their like mid to late 20s early 30s even so like you get this interesting mix where like Jackie feels like she's too young to be on that seventy show because she was because she 14. was <laughs> she was right. too young to be as sexualized as she was on that show and it's weird and they Jesus never talk about Christ. it. Um, and then in this nowadays we can actually like comfortably trust and hire young actors. So all of these people are actually teenagers. Callie Haverda was fifteen when the show was being filmed. She's now sixteen. Uh, Ashley, uh, uh, the person who plays Gwen, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce her last name, and I'm not going to try. I think it's Ofterhide, but I might be wrong. Um, uh-huh. She's like 17. So, like, they don't get much older than that. Uh, and you need to understand that, like, some of that awkwardness comes from the fact that, like, dramatic acting, people are always like, oh, but young people act so well. And it's like, yes, for sure, for sure, for sure. Agreed. Uh, sitcom acting is so different than dramatic acting. Sitcom acting mm-hmm. is like... Mm-hmm. It's, like, scary how realistic you have to make it seem for it to work. Even if you're, like, I can tell these are sitcom lines. They only read as normal if you are highly skilled and talented and you've been doing that for a while. I just feel that in right. my heart. So, right. like, there is a... Sp- Sorry, go ahead. Well, especially multicam, right? Yes. Because, yes. like, you're basically doing a stage play for television, which is this fusion of acting styles that is such a weird thing to nail especially nowadays and the thing that um you know i can't remember i watched so many of these video essays about the 90s show but something that you know people were bringing up is like the teen cast feels like a a disney Channel. channel show cast because like that's where multicamp sitcoms still existed for a little while longer um and it's kind of a lost art to be a like truly great multicam sitcom actor the way that some of the old guard of this show is like D- deborah joe rupp these kids are not and it's not their fault <laughs> like the probably you know the acting that they're trained to do is like single cam acting or the multicam shows that they grew up with were like hannah montana or something like that where it's like that's the the way that this looks and like the other acting that a lot of them grow up start up on is stage acting you know you practice in stage acting and then you become a like tv actor it's a different skill set and you know chats we tend to have this reputation of like everybody's talking this way about one thing we're gonna try and come at it from another angle i do think it's a little stilted and it, it ranges from like I'm wincing right now at like how stilted this stuff is to like, I don't care anymore. I think these are great characters. Um, we're going to talk about like our favorites to least favorites, but uh, the show doesn't do them a favor by including like awkward scenes with like Nate and Jay trying to be bro-y and then cut to 
Deborah Jo Robin, Kurtwood Smith acting their fucking asses off upstairs in the same damn episode. And it's like, that's not fair, dude. Like, you're putting these two people who have, who have lived in these characters for, like, 30 years and right. existed and have, like, lived full lives and careers next to somebody who's, like, their second acting gig ever. And you're like, oh, the teens are so awkward. It's like, well, fuck, because Deborah Jo Robin, Kurtwood Smith yeah. are gods. It's not even fair. <laughs> they're so good in this. They're so good. Oh, my God. They're so fucking good. They slip back that's into hilarious. it like like no time changed. Uh, yeah. And even the other adults mostly do. Like, I think once uh, once Wilmer Valderrama comes back, uh, Fez is, like, the interesting nucleus for the adults on this show to, like, uh, like to develop the plots, like I was saying, from, like, season six, seven, and eight of that 70s show. Yeah. Uh, bringing Fez in and having him not just be the foreign joke anymore is, like, that's a really interesting bit of character development for him. But yeah. Also, like, let's just, let's just zoom in on the adults a little bit more for a sec here. Because I think... Sure. We obviously liked them a lot. Uh, Kitty and Red continue to have this like push and pull relationship of, you know, Kitty is very easy to trust and very nice. Like in that classic, you know, everybody's suburban mom way. Red uh-huh. is coming from like uh, being a veteran and being very cynical and feeling in his opinion that Eric became the adult he is because of how firm he was with him and not yeah. because he had good friends. So they've just kind of like dug roots so deep into that, but they still have such a love for each other. Like Mm. that great line where Kitty is like, you know, I didn't rearrange the furniture in the house in case we go blind, which is (laughs) so funny. And also like kind of poetic, like we can't change. Uh And, and then just like seeing, you know, red, like with his cane now, which I don't even know if Kurtwood Smith uses a cane, but I'm like, they got older, but not in the way that is depressing when you watch a reboot. You know what I mean? Like right. sometimes right. when I watch a reboot of someone who was like 50 in the nineties and they're like 70, 80 now, I'm like, Oh God, like, you know, time stops for no one. But I feel like they both, their characters and the actors aged really gracefully. Yeah. 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 And I think it's just a testament to how strong and well-developed of a relationship the Kitty and Red relationship was in the original show that we can Mm -hmm. like click back into it and the same writers who are writing like kind of clunky teen dialogue are writing like really sharp exchanges between kitty and red because it's just so clear who they are and you can tell that like deborah joe rob and kurtwood smith are having i mean i don't know how much they like each other or not but it's clearly very familiar to them to like be back in this particular relationship because it was so well well developed to begin with um and yeah i don't know i i think what i really like about seeing the two of them is for both of their characters it's this really layered performance of like there's the outward thing that they're projecting to the world that's masking a, a kind of inward thing that the other person is able to see like red is like dumbass, kick you in the ass, whatever. And underneath that is this like bleeding heart love for the people around him that he refuses uh, to allow himself to feel. And Kitty is like, you know, I, please come into my house, please occupy my time and attention. And also there's this thing that sometimes Deborah Jo Rupp will let out where she's like, oh, for crying out loud, like this kind of like seething, angry thing. Yeah. Uh, Red has rubbed just, off on her. Yeah. It's just so fun to see them do something that layered. Um, 
and gives the show, I think, a balance that it that it needs. Because if this was if this show was just there's new teens doing new teen stuff, I I wouldn't tell you to watch it. I mean, those yeah. parts get better. Yeah, but I think that the old what we have of the old cast members who are recurring in this show it ends up being a pretty anchoring presence i think it's them i think Wil- wilmer valderrama does a great job um i think you know topher grace for the episode that he's in does a great job i think they could have used laura prepon better um and the other two were too famous <laughs> so they could only do a scene uh, right so yeah. uh the other adult character that I wanted to shout out was uh, the new character, Sherry, played by Andrea Anders, Chats alum. Chats alum. Ted. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, I also know her from uh, as Michelle from Ted Lasso. Uh, so mm. she's like doing things. She's got her career is doing great right now, I think. Um, as Gwen's mom, Gwen and, uh, and Nate's mom, uh, a really interesting addition and like manages to fit in really well because, hey, like I said, being an adult in a sitcom is a little bit easier because you've been acting for longer and you know how to like, she's almost the like uh, the Kramer of the adult plot lines where she's just like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm a disaster. I'm yelling about something and I am pushing back on your guys, this is your whole your whole dynamic, because if it was just Kitty and Red all the t- all day, all the time, I don't think it would get stale. But I think that the show wants you to wants to mix that up a little bit and add new people to it. Yeah. So they introduce her to be like. Hey, like I have parental issues and I'm like openly a disaster, but also I'm the only other adult who pushes back on Red's bullshit because we don't really have yeah. anyone else to do that right now. And there's this like fantastic scene I think late in the season where, you know, he yells at um at Leia about something and then like she goes downstairs and she's like, "Red, like what the fuck, dude? That's not like how you mm-hmm. raise your kid." And I know like who am I to tell you how to raise your kids, but like that's not going to work. I know how girls work. Uh and you don't get that without her character. So I like Cherry quite a bit. Yeah. And you got to give it up to Andrea Anders for being one of the few people in a show set in Wisconsin to do a Wisconsin <laughs> accent. It's amazing. Well, cause like it, yeah. she, it feels like, cause it also like the hairstyle and the, and her costuming, it feels like she got a memo that was like, Hey, you're in a show set in the nineties in Wisconsin. And she was the only person who did their homework and everybody else. is like, Oh shit. Was I supposed to learn an accent and like, look like I'm from the nineties. My bad. Yeah. It's she looks funny. like my friend's parents when I was growing up and like, uh, Kerwood Smith is, is from Wisconsin actually. Uh, but he just, oh, you know, funny. he's, he's been in Hollywood for so long that it's like, you don't hear you've maybe he didn't even have that accent. I don't know. <clears throat> but you don't hear it anymore and she feels like a wisconsin mom stereotype which is like useful like i said like that's an adult character that we never we didn't necessarily have specifically in that semi show because a lot of women were added to that show to be like sex objects mm. or you know short-term wives or you know paramours so like it's cool to just have a mom who is a mom and yeah. not be one of the original cast yeah the thing the one thing about um her character sherry that's sherry that's sort of bumming out is it feels i don't know if this was the intention but it feels like that's a character space that it would have made sense to be occupied by eric's sister Lori, yeah. because Lori in the original show was had those sorts of character traits of like she's kind of all over the place like complicated personal life had that kind of relationship with kitty and red mm-hmm. and you know 
off screen, Lisa Robin Kelly, who played Lori for the first few seasons, had yeah. problems of her own and passed away in 2013. And there was like a weird recast that happened midway through the show with that character. So this this show doesn't really touch on Lori's existence, except for this like throwaway line where Red was like, and you wanted to have a second kid. And then Eric happened. And like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it makes you wonder what it could have looked like if Lisa Robin Kelly was still around and there was a version of this show where it's like Lori lives next door and a couple of these characters are Leia's cousins as opposed to like the random neighbor kids, you know, anyway. So I kind of was thinking about that hypothetical and got a little bummed out. Um, but Andrea Anders does a great job with with uh, Sherry in this. She does. Um yeah. And then their plots that like need, they don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to learn more about anybody in the adult plots because like they are all fully formed, and I appreciate that. Other adult cameos yeah. that I liked are the brief Bob Pinciotti one. Uh, yeah, he was great. He got right back into Bob. Like like no time had passed, and the yeah, I don't like Bob by himself, but as soon as you put him and Red together, the like vitriol is so yeah. juicy that I'm like, I could, yeah. I love this so much. They hate each other because they fundamentally yeah. represent different masculinity types. Ugh, I don't need to get right. into it. But like, yeah, the brief moment of him was good. Um, the cameo in the 90210 episode with from Brian Austin Green was hysterical uh, just because they committed to having him come back and back and back and be like, do the same bit yeah. over and over again. I thought that, that was, was pretty really funny. Good. Yeah, I like that. Um. But I think that covers the adult stuff. I want to ask you also, like and Fenton, Fenton, oh God. Fenton, oh my in episode God, ten. Fenton. I when I saw Leo the first time, I was like, I, I think this was a character from the original. I don't know. And when I saw Fenton, I was like, in episode ten, we brought back one of the most obscure characters. Do people like <laughs> Fenton? I love obviously Jim Rash is incredible, <laughs> right? Do people care about I, Fenton from that seventies show? I don't know. It was such a weird thing because like. He was Fez's rival, and okay. the way they played it is like both of them were gay coded characters, and yeah. so it's like we're doing like kind of a gay coded rivalry. Like, yeah. what? What is this? So weird. And he's just but, is weird again. And I looked up a picture of Jim Rash in the original, and I was like, that's not Dean Belton at all. Yeah. I mean, Jim Rash can't help but be entertaining, so I'm yes. sure the Fenton stuff from the original show is is entertaining but definitely written uh, with strange intentions 100 percent. they wanted to get fed, think, like you said they want to get fed someone to bounce off of yeah i think they did it with like there was like a sexual tension between them kind of thing yeah it's a strange choice i'm looking at screenshots of their relationship and yeah there's definitely a, like enemies to question mark uh <laughs> situation um i want to talk to you about the 90s because when I think yeah. about that 70s show, <laughs> that, that 70s show has a really great relationship to the 1970s. Um, it's not like too, it's not romanticizing analog technology that often. Uh, mm. Something I love about that 70s show is that the, the theme song is the gang in the car singing together. And I do wish that the new theme song was like something, just one scene instead of a brief like eight second shot of like, uh, it's a VHS and it sounds it's faster. The song is so fast. Go done. It's the theme song over because they already know you're going to hit skip theme. But I do like the 90s version of the theme. Um, but anyways, to the, to the that 70s show stuff, 
there were episodes about like the Nixon election that you've told me about or like the Vietnam War or uh, I don't know, other like political things that would happen as like very special episodes. But it was mostly in the attire of the series that it felt like that 70s show was very lived in and the way that people like pol- talked politically about stuff. Um, that 90s show seems like it's checking off a list of a BuzzFeed coolest things about the 90s list sometimes, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, I think you said this earlier, that 70s show feels like a show created by people who grew up in the 70s, who yes. grew up in, under circumstances similar to the characters in the show and have things to say about that experience. Yes. Um, and they want to reflect on, you know, teenage life and they're doing that through the lens of the 70s because that's when they were teenagers Mm -hmm. and this show i mean we were talking about this beforehand the it's kind of like artificially placing itself in the 90s because it's making less time past pass in the fiction of the show than has happened in reality because the end of that 70s show, it ended in 2008, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, maybe this makes sense. I guess actually it is the same amount of years. Because it's 15 years and we end up in the mid-90s. Um, but what's different is it's a different amount of time um, like looking back. Because 98 was looking back on 76. And yeah. for some reason, 23 is looking back on 95. Um And it feels kind of like they put a show in the 90s, partly because that's when Eric and Donna would have a teenage child. Yes. But also partly because like 90s is like an aesthetic, you know, that's like a like you're saying it's like a known quantity of cultural references as opposed to somebody who created this show's lived experience. And I might be wrong. Like, I'm sure there were people who wrote for the show um, who grew up in the 90s just mathematically speaking they probably experienced the decade but the show's existence is not motivated by that it's motivated by let's do a sequel to that 70s show um which makes it feel different and i think there the, the one thing that like feels like it's about the 90s in this series is the obsession with like having the perfect summer or you know checking off experiences mm-hmm. on a box like that is a a sentiment that has passed amongst young people uh that we're not as worried about anymore but like otherwise this isn't and it doesn't need, i'm not saying like why isn't it about the politics of the 90s because the 90s have been aestheticized so much to the point where it barely resembles what i remember the first six years of my life anymore i'm like right. yeah that's a that's a snap bracelet i guess my roommate and i were watching that episode together with the snap bracelet and we're like Yep, I did have one of those. Like, okay, yeah, I, I did. Right. I, I did go to a blockbuster, but like, <laughs> who the fuck? Like, this isn't like about what it means to be like a teenager who wants to go to blockbuster and why that that's interesting. Instead, yeah. they use it to become a Leo plot line. Right, and I I wonder a little bit. You know, I think part of it is the blame. It, it's to blame the show for like they're doing a kind of surface level version of that '70s show. Um, And I also wonder if part of it is like the 90s are to blame because it feels to me like the 90s were probably like material culture was culture in the 90s in a way that was more true of that decade than the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And the 1970s were a more political decade. They were a decade that was more about like music and, and those kinds of things. And it feels like the 90s to a certain extent, like there's a bowl of Tootsie Rolls feels like a 90s thing because like candy brands were more branded and I don't know. Um, so that almost makes it a harder decade to revisit in some mm-hmm. ways um, because it it was such a material decade. But still, like like I was saying before, in the original show, the original cast are these kind of stock um, archetypes, 70s-ified. And I could not tell you what is 90s about this cast like they look they just look like gen z kids to me because like this is how gen z kids dress too right. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah and culture, so, culture loops around and so uh, i couldn't really identify for you like what is it about leia foreman that is 90s in a way where i could understand that about eric foreman what made him a 70s version of of this archetype you know and um yeah. there's a there's a much much bigger conversation here to be had about like the commodification of 90s culture and how like late millennials early gen z are being sold a 90s culture that did not exist like this right. moment when uh leia first meets gwen and goes to the window and just sees her dancing to alanis morissette it's like yeah i'm sure like that's like a commercial for the 90s that's like a thing that's probably like happened mm-hmm. in our memory but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel lived in the way that that '70s show feels lived in, uh, right. and that's. <clears throat> I think that's a fault of the writing a little bit. But also, I don't know. A lot of people nowadays that have '90s nostalgia were not teenagers; they were children in the '90s. So, like <laughs> right. you and I, think about the '90s, and we're like, okay, Furby, and then like cartoons. Like a lot of it was like yeah. cartoons in like kindergarten. In elementary school, and so made like we weren't teens. It's people who are in their now in their thirties, which is fucking right. weird to think about. Who are like, yeah, the nineties, and I wonder if those people are loving this because I mean the show's doing incredibly well, but do they see it and go like, yeah, I, I remember going to the mall and taking eating a bunch of Tic Tacs and kissing boys, or is that a nineties nostalgia that was sold to us? I hope right. I'm making sense here. Like it doesn't feel like it's no, real. You are. You are. Cause also a lot of the things that I was recognizing as like, yeah, that's my nineties experience. If I really think about it, it's like I think I went to Blockbuster in like two thousand three. Like right. that's that Same. I wasn't having a nineties experience. I was having like an early aughts experience. I was eating Tootsie Rolls in oh six, you know? Mm-hmm. Like um, so it, I was taking disposable camera photos. Uh, on the last day of fifth grade in 2005. Uh, okay. So like there are things here that were recognizable to me as artifacts of a particular span of time, like a 15 year span of time. But, you know, I don't know. And also a lot of the 90s stuff here, it's like Ross and Rachel. <laughs> yeah, just like say, saying Ross and Rachel. Like, okay. I yeah. uh, I have a couple of bullets here that i highlighted of like here are some things that are like name dropped and don't matter to the plot but are literally just name dropped so that you can go yes i remember this okay the dare campaign clerks the film clerks (laughs) so stupid tic tacs uh the song shoop uh the blind melon music video for no rain specifically the music video with the bee walking around that yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
and then yeah, like Blockbuster and uh going to see uh, what's the oh oh nine and then Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero like uh-huh. and graves snap bracelets. You're like these are things that you see on a BuzzFeed quiz. These are not like I don't know maybe maybe just we yeah. were too young to be like those types of nineties kids, but it just doesn't feel like it is a show about the 90s at all it feels like it is an aesthetic to tell a pretty bog standard sitcom couple of stories right and it i have a few more 90s things but to respond to your point it 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 makes me wonder if people watching that 70s show would have said that about that show but like my dad when that 70s show was on he was a teenager in the 70s and he was like ah yeah it's just like how it was like to him that show got it right that's what it felt like to be a teen in the seventies and we were doing this thing. So that was a show that like met his nostalgia where it was. And I think what we're landing on here is either one, we don't have nostalgia for the nineties because our nostalgia for it was manufactured by the fact that we were young when it was happening and Mm -hmm. the internet and pop culture has kind of like, consistently and reinforce for us what the 90s are or the show is doing a bad job of hitting the nostalgia button it's one of those Mm -hmm. two things or it's both of those things right um the little mermaid oh god yep (laughs) yep um there's a part where kitty says that leia has to go to her room and she can't play nintendo uh, <laughs> yep, yep, uh, yep, yep. in the first episode eric is drinking zima the second time zima's been referenced on a chat <laughs> thing this week yes we watched a to z before this which you're gonna hear next week spoilers and uh there's a character who talks about drinking zima so that's a thing mm-hmm. um gosh what else yeah you got the dare shirt uh blockbuster Malls. free willy Free Willy. Yeah, mall culture is big. Kevin um, Smith as a sex object. Yeah. Uh, there's a pen and Teller reference because they say Penne and Teller and Marky yes. Marcaroni. So there's a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. There's a whole plot that where they do a pastiche of Law and Order. Um, a great gag where Kitty references Honey, I Shrunk the Kids as being a straightforward title to something. Great gag. Um, that's like a good it. gag. Uh, there are people who say that they have Batman Forever tickets. Mm-hmm. So that's the 90s. Friends, of course, Ross and Rachel. The computer episode, You've Got oh. Mail. Um, someone says virtual desktop when they're talking about the desktop of the computer. Oh, that's what they meant. I also had that moment where I was like, oh, it's called the desktop because it's a virtual version of the top of a desk. <laughs> well, because listen, I was like, do you know what a desk is? But also, yeah. I thought they meant what we think of as a virtual desktop today, which is like you're accessing another computer remotely. And I was like, they did not have that. And no, then, yeah, no, you're no, right. No. It means like yeah. a desktop that is not real. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I, also, I also was confused by that. But it's funny how now like desktop has come to mean the like you know thing of your computer where your stuff is so now we can say that the virtual desktop is a virtual version of another computer's desktop a virtual virtual desktop Mm -hmm. um anyway yeah so there's a there's a bunch of of 90s references but there's not necessarily 90s stuff infused 
in the thing itself. And what I was reminded of, especially when they're in the mall, I was kind of like, you know, the TV has looped back around to like just doing bad ripoffs of The Simpsons. Like <laughs> you could just go watch The Simpsons and have a great family sitcom set in the 90s that makes great 90s references and feels lived in. And it's yeah. called The Golden Era of The Simpsons. Go watch it. It's right uh, there. Like, yeah. what are we what are we doing here? Uh, don't need to get so into it. But that first kiss episode, the mall episode, like ruined my night <laughs> because yeah. nostalgia is poisonous. And the idea and this is like what Leia goes through in the show is mm -hmm. she worries so much about like, I'm not living the teen girl life and I'm going to become like, you know, go to high school and I'm not going to have done all of the things I want to do. So I need to kiss a boy. Mm -hmm. I need to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C uh, was like shoved down all of our throats and probably still is for teenagers. And it makes me just so sad because yeah. of like how much I have beaten myself up for, and you and I both buddy up for like not living the teenage life that we thought we were supposed to, or the college right. life. Right. And I just want, I don't want kids to watch this and be like, you know, there's already TikTok kids who are like, God, I wish I lived in the nineties so badly. And it's like, <sighs> it just it was as shitty as it is now it just in different weird ways it was actually yeah uniquely shitty uh yeah. and we had less access to certain things that you're we take for granted now and mm -hmm. things like you're getting your first kiss before you turn 16 or whatever are like cosmically minuscule compared to the things that you even as a young adult should yeah. can deal with so yeah. it just bummed me out that like we're really doing a like i need to get my first kiss plot because now we're telling kids like that's something that's like interesting and worth thinking about. And right. I just I don't want shows to do stuff like this. I thought we were past it, and it like legitimately really bummed me out to be like, okay, yeah, we're gonna do a first kiss plot again. Okay, and yeah. at least the comedic ending of it being that the her first kiss is with a random guy that she kissed while her mouth was full of Tic Tacs is like, okay, I'm glad they didn't make it special for her. <laughs> mm -hmm. but. Yeah, I think what bothers me about that is. And I could be giving that 70s show too much credit, but that 70s show did plots like that in a better way mm -hmm. where it was like actually about what it feels like as opposed to like, oh, God, I've got to kiss a boy. Ah, shoot. Oh, like the kind of stock TV thing. Mm -hmm. There were moments like that where a character in that 70s show like, has sex for the first time. And that's like a, a weird thing that happened to them that they have to process for a whole episode. Yeah. There's an episode of the show about that. That's really good. Or I think they probably also had like first kiss kiss plots where, ah, oh, I don't know about this, I guess. Yeah, that kind of thing. And this show just sort of does it. And then they're like, all right, well, anyway. Congrats, got it. We all, we all make out all the time. Anyways, you earned it. Congrats. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't confront that. Yeah. Also, it was weird to me. I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is I don't know if I'm Same. I think I'm right to be weirded out by this that Leia turns 15 in this mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And they're like smoking weed and drinking beers and we're like, "Oh boy, this is fun." That sucks. I don't I don't like that at all. That is really but, young to be doing that, but there are Definitely, especially in the 90s where kids doing that at that age. Ah, golly gee. Yeah. Be careful out there, folks. I'm sure that the kids in that 70s show were not that old. But also, like, the 
Well, they were at least like 16. I don't know. There was there's something about that to me where it's like we're driving around. Mm-hmm. That's like a different era of teenagerness where I guess it's like, OK, sure. I don't know. A 14 year old drinking beer and us being like, ha 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 beers. Right. Um, I don't know. It feels weird to me. Obsession with kegs. Yeah. <laughs> so kegs. stupid. Um, I want to uh, sort of start approach the close here by talking about the yeah. things that we liked which are specifically well, about the new kids on not uh-huh. on the block because they don't feature in this episode but i guarantee you if they do a season two we're getting a yeah. new kids on the block joke uh how do what do we like about the new cast uh-huh um i really like leia i think she yeah. makes a lot of sense to me i think she's doing a great job in essentially the eric foreman role of being a total dork. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ozzy is great uh, and Love funny. Uh, and then everybody else is fine. I really like when Nate and Nikki are not in a scene together. <laughs> they're both funny. They're both, they have the capacity to be funny separately, but together their whole relationship until that one episode where they actually talk about it is defined by like, we're dating. Just a reminder, we are dating. We make out all the time. Yeah. Isn't that fun about us? And it's like, I loved the I loved the scenes of Nate being like, I don't think you have any reason to stay with me after college, actually. That's really depressing to me. Yeah. Because that, that felt like a That 70s Show plot. It's like, yeah. you are going to grow out of this like suburban dreamscape that we've created for ourselves where a beautiful girl like you is going to date an idiot like me. And that doesn't happen outside of this. And she's like, she never tells him, like, I promise I'll stay with you. She's like... We'll see where it goes. We have to be adults about this. Um, right. Really good. Just like sprinkled in amongst all of the goofiness and the references and the gags. He's like, yeah. these are actually fleshed out characters eventually. Yeah. The It really worked for me that in the last episode, Nate and Leia are like, oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Do Uh-oh. we like each other? Huh? Because that's like such a That 70s Show thing to do. Right. Two characters being like, should we kiss? I don't know. I'm confused. Um, so I thought that was pretty solid. But, um, you know, I don't know. I think the new cast where they don't work for me is all the moments towards the beginning where they're like, look, Jay is like the new Kelso. He's the Kelso of the group. And they have to do all this kind of gymnastics where every character points at him and says he's such a player and then he kind of shrugs and he's like i'm a pretty nice guy i wouldn't be mean to you and he like never really does anything that's all that shitty whereas in that 70s show michael kelso sucks like all the stuff that people say about michael kelso it's you have seen him do, do stuff where you're like okay you you are terrible um and that's not to say that I want these characters to be terrible necessarily, but it's more to say like you can't have every character point at a character and be like, boy, you sure are that thing. And then that character, the only stuff they ever do is stuff that is not that thing, you know? Yeah. It's like kind of there's a weird dissonance to that. And so they spend a lot of the top here with the these characters being like, this is who I am. Uh, like Nate and Nikki being like, look, we're the new Kelso and Jackie making out all the time kind of people, I guess. And you're like, are you? 
who are you? What are you talking about? And then they become people separate from that. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, okay, well, th- th- this isn't so bad then. I'm intrigued. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's like ultimately one of the things that, that kind of works against this new cast is that they are really trying to make them map at least a little bit to people from the original show. Mm-hmm. So like Leia is Eric, which means that Jake Kelso is Donna, which doesn't work because like you said, <laughs> he has a last name. So, but if they just made him the Kelso again, then that would be kind of boring. And yeah. there's this like interesting, like you were saying, the sense that, you know, from Kitty and Red, like, oh, the Kelso family name is cursed. These men are destined to be players and bad people. Uh, because yeah. like you said, Michael Kelso was a bad person. But all of that is said about Jay and he's never like reprehensible. He's just like an uh, an idiot. He's another kind of hot, like a himbo, basically. Uh, and I understand why Leia likes him because he listens to her and makes her feel unique and special. And I get that. But like, he's not Donna at all. Uh, yeah. Nate and Nikki does feel like Jackie in that Nikki is like weirdly mean to him and probably too good for him. But like, she's not rich and stupid the way that, sorry, stupid coded the way that like Jackie was. Uh-huh. Uh, and Nate doesn't fit perfectly to Kelsey. Like none of it actually maps perfectly, which is fine. I don't think if they mapped it perfectly, I would have been bored by it, but all of that yeah, leads but- me back to the, go ahead. Yeah, but they're trying to to make it seem like it's mapping perfectly yes. at first in a way where that isn't intentional. Like they're not trying to trick us and be like, just kidding, we made different kinds of characters. They're just kind of doing that a little not great. And then they end up finding something else to do instead. Right. And when they find the other things to do, it's really interesting. Like yeah. Jay being like, I don't want to kiss you, Leia, because I actually like you. You're the one person that makes me not want to be a player. Um. But then we get into a couple awkward ones where, like, okay, so I guess Ozzy is Fez, but, like, Ozzy is a lot smarter than Fez and, like, savvy and cutting the way that Fez was always the butt of his own jokes. Like, lovable, but always, like, said the wrong thing or, like, the comical foreigner misunderstanding because that joke just doesn't play anymore. So, like, Ozzy, I think, works better than Fez did in the original in some ways, uh, which is why he's one of my faves. And then lastly, it's like, okay, well, now we have Gwen. So who is Gwen supposed to map onto? Is uh-huh. it Hyde? Because they set up in episode one and only pay off in episode 10 the fact that Gwen and Leia seem to sort of like each other as more than friends. Like in episode one, she's Leia's very specifically like, can we be best friends? Can you like be my, you know, summer growing up movie best friend person? Uh-huh. And you get the sense from their eye contact and from some of the subtext that like, Mm, Gwen has like thought about her sexuality at least a teensy bit and like maybe wants more of this because she will actively get in the way of Jay Kelso sometimes right uh, throughout the series and then it it pays off in episode 10 when they write their names on the water tower and you're like okay so you know that I'm thinking that but they don't do anything with Gwen really other than have her encourage or discourage Leia from doing anything right does that make sense yeah I definitely they're it's this weird choice to put Gwen make Gwen the girl next door literally like she yeah. lives next door where Donna used to live yeah and then for Leia to be like do you want to be my best friend my platonic best friend and you're like huh huh come on that 90s show it's 2023 you can 
do this. You can like make them gay. It's okay to if do. You, if you're gonna do Aussie and not have anybody mean and not do homophobia because you can't do, you're not gonna do that on this show. Then yeah. let Leia and Gwen's conflict be like textual. The fact that right. like, Gwen wants everything sh- for Leia, but also doesn't want those things for her. Yeah, in the show where Kitty Foreman is woke now, apparently, like, yeah, <laughs> I think we're okay. It's it's, so, it's weird that the show like weird. backs away from that. I think that that's either something that they're going to build over time, or it's I hope al- so. Always going to be a little. It's just the fact that they did on the water tower, like the iconic one of the iconic sets from the original series. They wrote mm. their goddamn names on the water tower. It's like you guys know what you're doing here. And she's yeah. listening to like Alanis Morissette, and she's like dressed like a like burgeoning lesbian. Like they they do it, they do <laughs> the damn, they do all that, they do everything but the thing. And so it led me to like I I want to talk now about like where we rank the teenagers of the seventies and nineties shows. Yeah, let's let's close with that. Okay. Uh, so let me pull up a let me get like a list of everybody, or I can put one in a doc for you. How about that? Sure. So we're going to go with the main six of each show. So we'll do the That 70s Show cast. I can just rattle them off for you. Okay, go ahead. So there's Eric, Donna, Hyde, Kelso, Jackie, and Fez. Okay. That's like kind of the core group of the 70s. And then the 90s show group is Leia, Gwen, Nate, Nikki, Ozzy, and Jay. Okay. Okay. So let's rank the seventies group first here. Um Okay, let's do this King of the Hill style the way that we would rank the Sunsates. So Eric yeah. is right now sitting at number one. Uh-huh. Um okay, Donna. Do we like her more or less than Eric Foreman? I like her more. Yeah, I would agree with that. Barring the eighth season, which you haven't seen, where yeah, Donna I've heard weird. Character assassination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also, yeah, it's weird. She's weird in this one, and like her and Kitty are have a weird thing. It's weird. I don't know what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Also, that random thing where they have to explain. I told you before we watched that Fez and Jackie had a romance plot in season eight. It's so sad it, how they resolve it in this. Yeah, they resolve it with like Jackie cheats on him with Kelso. It's weird. The scene where he talks about going on vacation with her and hears her on the phone with Kelso is like almost heartbreaking. You're like, what? No, I don't want to be sad in that 90s show. What are you doing? No, I'm sad. (laughs) And it also, you know, not to get too far into this, but it undoes a ton of character change and development that Jackie goes through in the last couple seasons of that 70s show. Yeah. Um, Because the like two seconds that she's in this, she's just like season one Jackie again. And you're like, no, wait, Jackie became like a very reflective character by the end of this show. And uh, we're just throwing that away. Anyway, that's my that's my rant. Okay, so Donna, number one, Eric, number two, Hyde. Where does Hyde fit into this? Uh, I think it goes right under Eric, honestly. Yeah. I, I, would, I would obviously lean him towards the bottom because I said I don't like his character archetype, separating him from Danny Masterson. But yeah. the little bits I saw from like the... Uh, Ray for Madness episode and learning that he has a nuanced relationship with Red Foreman. I was like, oh, I suddenly really care about Hyde, actually. But yeah, they do interesting things with this sort of like 
you're not my dad, but you are my dad kind of a dynamic that I mm-hmm. think is well done. Um, but as a episode to episode character, you're kind of like, get out of here. You're just like pointing at people and laughing at them. I don't. Exactly. This is not entertaining. Exactly. Um, Kelso. Burn. Burn. Uh, Kelso's really funny in the original. I put him right above hide <laughs> below Eric. Yeah, I think that's fair. But it's close. Ash- Ashton Kutcher does a a pretty good job of doing that character. A lot of it. kind of like big puppy dog thing. A lot. I think probably people have parodied this about his like early 2000s career. A lot of uh-huh. what makes Ashton Kutcher funny is his ability to suddenly start yelling like this. And it's like, uh-huh. that is funny, though. I do like when he yells really loud. <laughs> yeah. Something I forgot to mention about what's so fun watching the original cast that this version doesn't really have the magic of is they would break all the time. All like if time. you watch watch those old episodes, in almost every scene, somebody is actually laughing at something that somebody else is saying. And it gives us it gives the show this kind of fun, like I'm actually hanging out with my friends thing. And everybody in this feels like a bit too polished of like a kid actor turned yeah. TV star kind of thing. Um I think that's best exemplified in the weed circle sequences, the infamous, yes, the famous yes. weed circle, which in the original, like one, uh, are really nice, like little bits of camera work. And also you can see people break almost every time they cut between a funny line. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then in the new one, they do it and the CG, the smoke is CG and the camera looks like it's it's digital digitally panning or something it looks really bad yeah the original i looked into this to make sure that i was right in the original it's real smoke it's strawberry flavored or scented smoke oh great and the camera pans are also real they might be cutting in there yeah. for the best takes but like there's behind the scenes footage where there is a dude standing in the middle of them all turning the camera around in a circle. So like that's wow. how they shot that. And in this you can tell it feels like they're sitting in front of a green screen. It feels like the smoke is fake. It feels like each camera shot is a separate setup and it's digital pans and digital cuts. Like it it does not feel correct mm. in this. Um anyway. Okay, Donna, Eric, Kelso, Hyde. Jackie fits in. I feel like I don't know enough about Jackie myself. Where do you put her? Um, If this was whole show, yeah. she would go above Kelso for me. Mm-hmm. Because Jackie gets a lot more interesting as the show gets goes on, I think. That's really good to hear. I think Neil Coons so, is a pretty good actor. I'm going to fight for Jackie to be number three here. Okay, I'm going to allow it. And then Fez, I think it's just a question of like, do you think Kelso or Fez is funnier, really? I think Kelso is funnier personally. Yeah. The but. accent is so the fact that that's not even Wilbur Valderrama's accent, like, how, and the yeah. joke of like we can't you can't hear what country he's from because it's so long and there's always something happening over it. Mm-hmm. It's just not funny anymore, guys. Yeah. I said good day. I said good day. What country um, is Fez from? There's like trivia about this, by the way. Fez's homeland. I think it was like someone said that there's a specific thing that Valderrama would always say in those parts. And I don't remember what it is. I'll look into it. <clears throat> oh, there was the scene where he says his full name in the episode you watched where yeah. they meet him. 
he's just listing off the names of all the other characters. That's <laughs> what it is. That's the thing <laughs> I know. the sound. Love yeah. it. Uh, okay, so the new cast. Okay, Leia is starting at number one. Leia and Gwen. Uh, Gwen number two. Yeah. Okay, where does Nate go? Hmm. It's kind of unfair that Leia gets to win because she's gonna she's the main character. So I want to mm-hmm. put Nate. I'm gonna argue right now that Nate goes above her because uh, of the development he gets with Nikki and also. Uh, it's just he's such a lovable little bro. How many times him and, and Jay just go, bro, bro. I, I find it charming. Okay. All right. That was kind of a kind of a dark horse pick, but I, I fuck with it. Yeah. Uh Nick Nikki. Below Gwen. They give her nothing to do. They give her they give nothing. Her absolutely nothing to nothing. do. Nothing. She barely <laughs> speaks, it feels like. Yeah. The one episode where her and Gwen are friends, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Something. We're doing something. I don't know. It's underused. Mm-hmm. Um, Ozzy. You don't have to ask me. You know where he goes. Number one with, with a gun. With a gun, baby. With a gun. That's right. And then Jay Kelso. This is the dark horse. Oh. I would put him below Leia, but that oiled up guitar scene is one of the funniest things in this whole goddamn show. <laughs> I would argue he goes below Leia at the highest. It's fine. It's fine. That's just th- this actor has the talent for one, looking surprisingly like Ashton Kutcher, and two, there's a scene halfway through the show where he's like oiling himself up so he looks like sexy, and then he's using a guitar, but he can't hold it, and it's like. A five-minute runner of just, like, him trying to grab a guitar and it's slipping. And it's like, I have a simple sense of humor, I guess, but it is very funny. That's really funny. That's a talent. That kind of physical comedy is a talent, for sure. Yeah. All right. That's everyone. That's everyone. That's that's it. What did you think of Eric saying, I'm going to put my foot in your ass? Huh? Uh, you asked me before you watched. You were like, does somebody say, I'm going to put my foot in your ass? And I was like, they do say the line. And like Red saying it, I was like, come on, don't drag her without to just do the line. But yeah. Eric saying it and the way that people reacted where they're like, oh, it's like interesting. Yeah, very and, interesting commentary on like, you know, parental you your parents. shit. Yeah. Even if you don't intend to, even even though like they're fundamentally so different at the end of the day, the way he understands discipline is threatening your kid. Yeah. So kind of I, I like that. Definitely. Yeah. I already said it, uh, but I don't like this theme song very much. Hanging out down the street. Same old thing. Yeah, I don't like It's not even that. Me. It's like hanging out down the street, the same old thing. You did it's like can you can you like give me a second to hear it and to like process the music on the It's so fast. It feels like it's fast forwarded. That's what I don't like yeah. about it. And they were in a car in the original. I liked when they were in the car, whatever. And they like shifted who was in the front seat. It was great. That I'm not saying I, I don't just title sequence. I don't just want to say like why isn't it more like the original, but like if you're gonna do the nineties thing, then like make it a little longer. I don't know. Yeah. They did get me with that final shot though of kids in America playing over the disposable camera photos. E- that's the nostalgia play that works. That's the nostalgia play that totally it works. It worked. They got me on that one. Same. Um so the should you watch question here, I think I think after the pilot, you know you'll know what you can stomach here. Should people watch past the pilot if they could get through it? Give it, give it three episodes. Yeah. 
because right. for two through ten are of like about equal quality. Um, yes, I would say ten kind of dips a little bit because they have to like end things and there are good emotional bits throughout. But like, if you can watch like two or three, just to see like what a normal plot looks like, then you know if you're gonna watch the whole thing. Uh, if yeah. you don't like that, then don't don't bother watching this. This is like I'm leaning to a no on this one. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Um, as someone who really loved that '70s show, it's not like Friends or something where you can watch the Friends reunion, which was just like the actual actors being like, "God, remember when we were friends?" And you can say, "I do." I do remember when you were friends because like there's so much fucking either awful or just weird behind the scenes information about this show that like seeing the gang get back together, it just feels weird. Mm -hmm. So like that I think hangs over the show in a way that I still can't quite shake. And then when we do see old characters come back, it's this mix of, okay, wow, you were great, and okay, why were you here? That also feels strange. But I think there are moments where they do the That 70s Show formula and it still produces entertaining television. Mm -hmm. So I think really what I want to do is just watch That 70s Show, and yeah. this was like a good stand-in for doing that. Um so as of right now, I enjoyed it, but I haven't watched an episode of that 70s show in years. And I bet you that's actually probably, it's like when you think you're hungry, but you're actually thirsty. That's like <laughs> what's happening to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that's a good yeah. point. Like, I think we, we can't tell networks to stop making reboots because they perform well. Um, but we can tell viewers, like, if you want to watch that 70s show, it's just on Peacock. You got to pay for it, unfortunately. But you can just watch the whole thing, even the bad seasons. Look up the best episodes looks like I did. Some of them hold up. It's not, like, a perfect show like you remember. And like you said, Magellan, this it was never designed for the, like, everybody is super-duper successful and happy in their career. And we're all going to meet up and be friends again. Like, I was reading that um, Topher Grace was, like, he felt very isolated on set. Because the other mm -hmm. guys like all became friends and like made him feel like an outcast. And I was like, that's mm -hmm. the worst thing to happen on an ensemble sitcom is to feel right. like people aren't your friends in a show about you being friends with them. That sucks. Yeah. Then add on to that production troubles. Uh, also, uh, Topher Grace leaving because he wants to have a career. Uh, the way that the characters were rewritten and they threw away so much character detail. Uh, Danny Masterson, period. Like all of that. It's just like... Mm -hmm. It's weird that this show got rebooted and the yes. fact that it did is interesting and I'm glad I watched this. I will not be coming back for season two. Hmm. I can say I that will. comfortably. Yeah, but you're, you're in the hole and I like sitcoms, I'm but I can just, I'm, I'm going to watch the Frasier reboot, bud. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, we'll chat the whole thing. Okay, great. Thank God. <laughs> There's so much other good TV out right now. Like the same week, this is like, you know, we got like picked last or dodgeball or whatever. We're, like we're watching that <laughs> 90s show and meanwhile uh there's a new ryan johnson natasha leone like columbo story oh right ah oh, man and <laughs> <We> fucked up <laughs> and fucking bill lawrence is doing a show with harrison ford and jason siegel as therapists on apple TV. like oh there's so what? much good tv 
Oh no, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> I need I needed this one. I needed no, this it's one, fine. but this yeah. show actually makes for a better should you watch because it's a question. Like right. you should probably wa- I don't I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to. You should probably watch Poker Face. I, it sounds awesome. They made a Columbo mm. with Natasha Leon where she can see people lying and Ryan Johnson got to do another mystery show and every week it's a new mystery. That's so good. Uh but like this was a question for sure. Yeah. Right. So, folks, that's what we have. Mitchell, any any last thoughts before we we take it to the close? Um, no, not really. I missed one '90s reference. Which one? Which is uh, that Ozzy says something about it was the same foolish part of me that believed Madonna and Dennis Rodman would be together forever. Which uh, is like that is some fine wine right there. That is a reference. We yeah, like that's that. that's what we like to see. It's awkward and specific in the right way. Yeah. Anyway. Um, we don't really now. We don't usually announce the next talking. I'm sorry. The next <laughs> should you watch thing, but I would like to announce what we're watching next week for chats. Yeah. Um. So folks who aren't keeping up with chats, the main show every week we watch two episodes of cult classic TV shows. We're bringing back thirteen under thirteen, uh, starting next week with uh three shows back to back that all uh were canceled in thirteen episodes, and we haven't announced them officially yet. So I'm here to tell you that we are starting. With the 2014 romantic comedy A to Z, starring uh, Ben Feldman and Kristen Milioti. Uh So let me give you the summary of that, and then I will also tell you what else we're watching. Uh, A to Z, 13 episodes, Andrew and Zelda. We've already talked about these episodes, Majan and I, but the episode hasn't come out yet, so I'm already like, huh, what is this? Uh, I'm not even going to read these summaries because they're so long, but basically we're watching A is for acquaintances and B is for big glory. Andrew works at a dating app. Zelda is a lawyer. They live on there. They work on the same office park uh, in Los Angeles. And their relationship is going to last about eight months or half as long because the show got canceled halfway through its run. Uh, And we're really excited to talk about it. So uh, first up is A to Z. Second, Magellan, can I get a quick drum roll? Or do actually you can do it. Yeah. Well, quickly also, uh, we're actually watching the first three episodes of A to Z since the episodes are short. Um, so we're also watching C is for curiouser and curiouser. Um, and if folks are wondering where they can, first of all, why we're watching that, it's because I wanted to, it's been living in my brain rent free for almost as long as new Amsterdam has been. Um, so that's why, um, there is not a good way to watch it. We found a bad way to watch it. So good luck. Anyway, that's the first show. The second show you want me to give you a drum roll. Yes, please. This is the story uh, of a girl. Your, <laughs> this is your choice, right? For the yes. this chunk of the season. Okay. The year is 2002. DC is branching out on the WB with new television programming. Birds of Prey is a 13 episode series where what happens if Batman is driven into exile and nobody's out to protect Gotham City except for Black Canary, Oracle, and the Huntress? Uh, we had literally not heard of this show's existence until we Googled like shows that were canceled in 13 episodes. So it looks really busted. It's actually pretty streamable. I forget where I found it. Do you remember where this is watchable? It's definitely more watchable than, uh, my brain wants to say Hulu, but I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Watch birds of prey 2002. It is on Tubi. It's on Tube. T-U-B-I Tubi. Uh, it looks busted. It looks 2000s as hell. I'm just excited to watch a dumb canceled show. That's that's what that is. Yeah. 
Um, and then, last but not least, we are taking this section of 13 under 13 to a close with... Uh, Mijan, one more drum roll, please. 2016's Powerless, which was recommended by our friends in the Discord. Um, Vanessa Hudgens stars as one of the main members of an insurance company in a uh, DC Universe official comedy uh, insurance agency. Sorry, she works at the insurance agency. She stars in a show also in the Ben Queen universe, along with A to Z. And what was the other one that he did? New Am- oh, Drive. 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 So we are continuing our sort yeah. of alternating sh- our alternating dips into the Ben Queen universe with Powerless. Yeah, which was pointed out by uh, Ryan in the Discord. Uh, Ryan asks, who said, uh, I also found that Powerless was written by Ben Queen as well. And so you guys could cover all of his shows, which sadly never make it beyond a first season. So we will be doing that. We will be completing the Ben Queen universe. Uh, in this that's everything. Chunk of 13 under 13. Wait, yeah. I guess he wrote on Century City, but that's not his show, so we're not going to count that. Right, right, right. But what is Century City about? Hold on, this is nine episodes. In the near future, a law firm handles difficult cases that reflect the time. I'll take a look. Oh, who's in this? Is someone in this? Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're watching next time, guys. Uh, we're we're starting with A to Z, and then we're going over to the land of birds of prey. And then we're ending with Powerless. So it'll be a lot of fun. Majel, where can people find you on the podcast here? They can find me on another podcast with my friend Justin called Super Smash Echoes, where we play video games that are related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise in some way. Super Smash Echoes. Check it out. And you can also read some of my writing on my uh, newsletter, where I just sort of write whatever uh haven't really found a niche so to speak but if you like me thinking about stuff and kind of joking but kind of not uh you can find that at not that magellan.substack.com it's my newsletter uh, it's sort of coming out every week every other week something like that so check it out there mm-hmm. alan what about you um I can be found uh, on scanlinemedia.com. I'm co- co-host of Oops More Anime, where my friend Six and I watch uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, in, on their backlog, you can find the Garnet Wager, where we watch Korean game shows and create a weird uh, fourth wall-breaking multiverse around that. Uh, and I'm also doing the Creature Quorum with Six every once in a while when we have time to record. That's a podcast where we talk about funny creatures from Monster Hunter and Pokemon. So um, those are those fun ones. And then my more serious one is Talking Marketing, a bi-monthly marketing podcast that I host for AMA Boston over on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. It's like an interview show. It's really fun and accessible. Um, that's that. Well, John, I'm going to uh, ask you to give us the plug zone, please. Sure. If you want to get in touch with the show, you have a few options. You can email us at chatspot at gmail.com with any questions, comments, feedback, concerns, all that sort of stuff. You can follow us on twitter.com slash chatspot at chatspot. And uh, those are the places where you can reach us if you want to be on this stretch of season for A to Z, Birds of Prey, or Powerless. Let us know if any of those interest you, if you have particular episodes you want to be a part of. We have an open door policy. You just got to kick that thing open with your little foot. So bring it on. Come on now. Um, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else? You can also join our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash chatspod to join fellow listeners in discussing previous seasons of chats. And you can talk with fellow listeners on the Discord. 
which is a benefit for all patrons a dollar a month and up. Our Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash chatspod. At $1, you get on the Discord. At $3 a month, you get twice monthly bonus content. And at $5 a month, you get thanked right here at the end of every main feed episode. So big thanks to Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, my mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick, and Pat of the Brothers in Infinite War, Six, and Stefan. In terms of other stuff that you can be aware of here, uh, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check out our website at chatspod.com, and you can support at Camillustrator, who created our podcast art. Alan, this is a main feed episode, so uh, let's talk. Let's talk turkey. Let's talk chatsums. Do you have one? Yes, uh, my chatsum this week is an album that I just listened to and immediately bought tickets to see this artist in concert. Uh, and that is Samia's new album, Breathing Song slash Honey. I think it's actually just called Honey, but Breathing Song is the other main single on it. Um, so Samia, fun fact, she is the daughter of Kathy Najimy, the actress. Uh, and she has her own really talented music career. Uh, she's been making really great music out of the like Southern United States for a while. Uh, traveling a lot, making music about feelings and being a young woman. Uh, and Honey is a wonderful, I'd say mostly like indie pop style album, uh, about relatable young people issues like drinking too much and, uh, more serious fare, uh, like getting older, moving out of your parents' house, things like that. Uh, it's a really touching album. It's got some fun songs. It's got some really, really sad songs. Uh, I would say if you're paying attention to the lyrics, especially it comes with some warnings for, uh, discussion of sexual assault, but uh, handled in a really like tender way and like a way that comes out of it feeling empowering, I'd say. Um, so it's it's really great. And I've been listening to it a lot on repeat. I don't know. It's just been the right mood for this week. The album is called Honey, and it's by the artist Samia, S-A-M-I-A. What about you, Majel? I also have an album. This is one that I haven't gone all the way straight through yet but i've been kind of picking at it um so uh, you know it's uh, people know that i like stephen page uh, you know we do be knowing I like this. this guy um and he put out an album in september of 2022 called excelsior which is kind of a mix of like the kind of brighter poppy type stuff that he's been doing the past couple solo albums um interspersed with these more um what's the word kind of like sorrowful songs about grief and loss um and he's sort of trying to process those things um which i it's it's interesting to hear him go there because that's not quite the place that he'll he'll usually go to um, but if you're looking for the earworm single off of this thing to get you into it and get you hooked on it, the song The Golden Age of Doubling Down has been on repeat on my Spotify the past uh, few days. So I'd highly recommend that and the album Excelsior. Excelsior. I'm going to give it a listen. And John, that's what we have for this episode of Should You Watch. We hope folks enjoyed it and got something useful out of our discussion of that 90s show. And it's legacy. Um, John, I want to thank you for what being... What is a legacy? What is a legacy? Thank you for being the... Uh, the Michael Kelso to my Jackie Burkhart. 
because that relationship oh. is just so toxic, but you know we can't keep us apart. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right, right, baby. That's right. That's what we like to see. And thank you all for listening to Should You Watch, where you should be watching.